0: We take our listeners very seriously, and when they actually phone us up to complain, you know, that's really important. And I've had Amy Parry on the phone complaining that she's unable to listen to our podcast until Wednesday. Now, (laughs) Farmer Phil, why would this be?
1: Um, I I had a slight upset with Amy's um, communication system and my JCB.
0: So it's not some technical problem over iTunes or anything like that, is it?
1: Well, it is a slightly technical problem because there's about 20 foot of her phone cable on the one side of the road and about 60 foot on the other side of the road and they're not joined anymore. (laughs) Oh dear. So,
0: do I take this correctly? You've actually been down to the village and broken the phone cable and now Amy, one of our regular local listeners, can't tune in.
1: I'm afraid that is the case. (laughs) Oh dear.
0: How did you break it?
1: I was um, loading up the village rubbish for the village bonfire with my JCB, and I'm afraid to say I was on the phone at the same time on my mobile, and I hooked the wire in the top grab of my fork and broke it through. (laughs) <laughs> Much to the amusement of all those around me.
0: Right. So, Amy, yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, welcome to enough, the podcast. Really, it's it's, it's isn't not it? on. That's very responsible no. on. a mobile For, phone for any firing. other listeners that are having a problem tuning in, I don't think Phil has broken your phone cable. Um, but for Amy, it's a sorry. So, and we're on to.
1: Don't tell BT. <laughs> <laughs> or the police.
0: <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> podcast 59, tune in. It's. Uh, <laughs> Phil's looking frightened now. Do you think I shouldn't have said that on air? (laughs) Coming up on this week's show, we've got a secret, and I'm not going to tell you about it till the end of the show. We've got Phil talking about weaning the cows, and at some point we've got Philippa, with Save Our Squirrels. And so, starting off, Phil.
1: Well, we've been weaning the calves. That means to separate them from their mothers, with whom they've been for sort of approximately six months. And this usually causes their mothers to be somewhat grumpy. That means that the calves are sent away to the Morgans farm, which is where they go to be fattened on. And the cows, it's the only time we use routine antibiotics, so that we put antibiotics into each quarter of their udder a long-acting shot of antibiotic to make sure that they don't get mastitis obviously having taken the calf away it stops sucking the cow and there's the possibility of getting infection into the quarters and mastitis is very painful it usually results in that quarter of the bag not working anymore so that that's bad and in some instances can kill the cow so obviously it's quite important to the cow that we control it and, and the best way of doing that is with a, a covering antibiotic dose. So that's the main thing. And then, If
0: you were organic, would you do that then? No. So do they get more mastitis in their cows?
1: Well, you've got the choice. I mean, my opinion is that they run the risk of getting more mastitis but the option is that you put them through the cattle crush and handling system on a daily basis while you're drying them off and just take a little bit of milk off each quarter of every cow to make sure they haven't. Because obviously if you get mastitis early, you can treat it well. But that's a lot of work and a lot of welfare issues, if you like, of of running the cattle round and round the race like that, and And they don't like it. A lot of stress. From my point of view, I'm happier with an antibiotic shot to cover them.
2: How long do the antibiotics stay in their system
1: for? There is a withdrawal period on the antibiotic, which I can't tell you off the top of my head, but it is recorded. It's not actually very long, usually, but they, they can't go for human consumption by law for a certain number of days or weeks or even months in some cases after that antibiotic's been administered. Right. And then at the same time, because we've had them in the handling system, we've given them their annual vaccination against leptospirosis and BVD, Leptospirosis is a bacterial disease which is known in humans as Wiles disease. And it's a disease that, in certain circumstances, is transmitted by rats. They carry it. And if a human gets it, it's like having a really heavy dose of the flu.
2: No, it's, it's really bad. A couple of friends of mine have had it, and I think I may have had it once, a really, really ill, a long time ago. But recently a friend of mine had it. There's was an exeter. And he got it from... Uh, they think because you, you pick it up through open wounds mm. he, had a, he had a graze in his hand and he put it out in a bin bag or something and they, they thought there's probably a bit of rut your mm. on one of the bin liners picked it up from that and he was really really ill you know death door kind of mm.
1: thing it's, it's not good for you and obviously it's even worse if you're fit and healthy that's one thing but if you've got something else wrong with you or you're young or old then it poses a serious threat but in, in the cattle's case it causes abortion but the vaccination is quite effective So that works. And then BVD is a viral infection which actually doesn't impact much on the cows. It has more of a serious impact on the calves so that the cow would normally pass immunity to the calf. But if it hasn't got immunity, then the calf is laid wide open to BVD and that causes pneumonia, scouring, all sorts of problems and can significantly increase the mortality rate of calves. So by vaccinating the cows... Before they carve, they pass the immunity on to the calves. So that that's quite a worthwhile thing to do. And as I say, having put them all through the race to, to give them their dry cow tubes, it's a good opportunity to give them those two shots as well. There we are. Interesting
0: stuff. Um, oh, we've got the Farmers Weekly Awards coming up this week. So Wednesday, we'll find out if we're alternative enterprise of the universe. Another trip off such. then. Some sort <laughs> Something.
2: Trip off, yeah. Yeah. When are we getting onto the squirrels?
0: Ah, yes. And and the next thing I want to talk about is squirrels. No.
2: <laughs> no. You want to talk about some something that you haven't told us about? Can we yeah. not just go onto squirrels?
0: No.
1: Rich is hungry. No, yeah. I'm
0: going for the secret now. Okay. The secret that I've been wanting to reveal to the secret listener. Secret squirrel. <laughs> no, not the squirrels. No. Um, the secret is. We've bought a pig farm, haven't we? Uh,
2: well, yeah. I don't think of it as a pig farm. Right. <laughs> I know you've probably, uh, you you may have it in your mind that you bought it as a pig farm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic site, isn't it? A whole new wiggly adventure.
0: Yep, it's at Brimfield, which is just south of Ludlow. And we haven't got any planning permission yet, so we can't say that we are going to turn it into a wiggly empire, but that's the aim. Right. I want to talk about um, this new website that I found, which I emailed to you, Phil, which oh. was www.noisily.com.
1: It was great. Ah. Had, I was sat listening to it in my office, and then I realised that it was half past one in the morning, and I thought herself is going to be grumpy with me again in a minute for not coming to bed on time. Yeah. But it's great because you just click a couple of buttons, and you can go to you can search all the podcasts, and they just come up, and they, you just it's just so easy, Rich. Even you could do it. Really?
0: Yeah, you search on the topic and then <laughs> they say, come up.
1: Don't say that lightly, Phil. <laughs> it, it works. Yeah. I was really impressed. It was great. Oh, right. So you just you think of any search criteria or word or whatever that interests you. So obviously I put in farming, tractors, and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And it comes up with a selection of podcasts that that turns up in. Right. And you just click on the icon. Boof, instant podcast. That's a good one very impressed excellent
0: brilliant so if you want to subscribe to the show go to itunes and if you'd like to write us a review we'd be most grateful too because we haven't had any this week now the next thing i want to talk about is squirrels the farm phone oh, good Lord. <laughs> the farm phone is on welcome to the farm phone if you want to ring in and leave a comment on the farm phone about your garden or some view, or if you want to have a row with Richard, even better, phone the farm phone. If you're outside the UK, it's plus four four one nine eight one five zero zero nine three zero. And if you're inside the UK, it's oh one nine eight one five hundred nine three zero.
1: Why is it called a farm phone and it's not mine? What is farm as in farm phone?
0: Well, the thing is that Farm Geek Life, which is a podcast which I really enjoy, have got a farm phone, and so I really wanted one. So I thought Wigglyphone sounds boring, so I want a farm phone. So it's nothing to do with you, love. It's the farm phone, where you can leave comments.
1: I'm really confused. How about you, Rich? Uh,
2: I am completely. So it's not an acronym, then? Farm? No? Farm phone? Farm. We're on a farm. It's yeah. the phone. <laughs> oh, OK. This is not have sort of frequently.
0: So, Rich, what would you like our next item to be?
2: Um, Let's talk about the house.
0: (laughs) See, it's typical, isn't it? I give him the chance to introduce the squirrels, and what does he do? He wants to talk about the house. It's the squirrels! Yeah.
3: Philippa, thank you so much for coming on Wiggly Wiggler's podcast. I know we've been a while getting to this interview due to a bit of a technological nightmare. (laughs) But tell me about the phone call that you made to me saying, whoa, alter your catalogue now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically, we were looking through your lovely catalogue a few weeks back and saw that you had a squirrel feeder. Yeah, And the type of squirrel feeder it is, basically, it can be used by both grey squirrels and red squirrels. Although most of England, in the south of England particularly, there's no red squirrels, in some parts of England, particularly the north and also just north of Merseyside, you have both reds and greys. And where you have both reds and greys in the same area, if you use a feeder like that, basically the numbers of greys will increase and the numbers of reds will decrease because there's direct food competition for them. And the feeders actually encourage the greys to move into an area and multiply, basically. There's also a problem of disease being passed from greys to reds. There's a particular disease called squirrel pox. Right. It's a virus and it's carried by the greys who basically seem to have like a cold when they have it. But unfortunately it is fatal to the reds. They die within two weeks of this virus. And it is known that it's got to be passed from grey to red by some sort of direct contact or indirect contact via maybe saliva or feces. And feeders are a potential location where the disease can be passed from one species to the other.
3: Because anyway, the feeding of the grey squirrel is very controversial. <laughs> uh, we have some customers who really want to do that to help deter the squirrels from their bird feeders. We have some customers who like to feed grey squirrels because you know, they're so agile, etc. And we have many more listeners and customers who hate Grey squirrels with a vengeance and uh, think that any idea of feeding them is abhorrent. What's your take on all this?
4: Our take is basically this. The Save Our Squirrels project is based across the north of England and in this area, this is one of the last areas where you can still find red squirrels in England. About 80% of England's red squirrels are found in Northumberland, which is where I'm currently based. There's more found in Cumbria, more just in Sefton, a few on Anglesey on the Isle of Wight and the islands in Pool Harbour and a small population in Norfolk. And as far as England's concerned, those are the only places where we still have red squirrels. Oh, sorry, and whales. Mm. In those areas, we really do ask people, if you only have red squirrels in your garden, please do feed them, actually, mm-hmm. because the red squirrels do benefit from supplementary feeding. Mm. And we do stress that it's supplementary. It shouldn't not be their whole diet. Yeah. Things like hazelnuts are particularly good for them apples and other sort of seeds, not just peanuts, try a mixed more of a mixed seed. Yeah. In other parts of England where you do not have red squirrels, it's really up to the individual person. Yeah. If people like grey squirrels and do want to feed them. (laughs) I can tell um, you they want them to. (laughs) Well the thing is the thing is the the grey squirrel is not our native squirrel. It's come over from the Americas. It came over with the Victorians. They brought it over here and it has spread. And the numbers are continuing to spread into areas with, with red squirrels. And one of the reasons for them being able to spread into these areas is that they are going maybe through people's gardens, that they're going along river valleys. Yeah. And finding food either from bird feeders or from squirrel feeders in people's gardens does just enable the grey squirrels to sort of perhaps move into areas that otherwise they wouldn't, mm. wouldn't be able to survive very well.
3: Why have they done so well and our native red
4: squirrel has done so badly? That's largely to do with, I suppose, their evolution. The American grey squirrel evolved in very much more in broadleaf forests in North America, competing with at least three other different species of squirrel. It is quite a competitive squirrel. The red squirrel evolves throughout Europe, primarily more in conifer or mixed conifer and broadleaf forest. And the grey squirrel is, is quite sort of adaptable in the, in the type of habitat it can live. It can live in pure forest and it can live in a mixture of where you've got trees and open land. The red squirrel is very much a tree animal. It needs to live in forests. It can't live very far away from forests. It's much smaller, lighter. It's very much more tree-based. Whereas the grey squirrel will cross even a kilometre of open land. So it will spread around much more easily than the the red squirrel. And the other main problem is food competition. As I said earlier, the the grey squirrel evolved in deciduous forests and woodlands and is particularly adapted to eating yolk. The oak seed, the acorn, actually has a tannin in it, which the red squirrel finds very hard to digest. Some research was done a few years ago where captive red squirrels were only fed on acorns and actually lost weight. However, it is thought that if the acorns are buried for a while, the tannin might actually reduce, the poison in the the acorn might actually reduce, and they might become more digestible, but I'm not too sure if any existing research has been done into that. But basically, the grey squirrels can eat acorns and really survive well on them, whereas the red squirrels don't. The grey squirrels also will eat the seeds slightly unripe, particularly the hazel, yeah. whereas the red squirrels prefer the hazel fully ripe. I see. But if there's grey squirrels gone. in the area as well, yeah. then the grey squirrels will eat the crop before the red squirrels ready to eat it. And so basically, overwintering, the grey squirrel will quite often do much better in a broadleaf woodland. And therefore, when it goes into spring and it's breeding time, the grey squirrel is in a better, better condition to breed it also puts on much more weight in the winter, up to 20% of its body weight, whereas the red squirrel only puts on maybe 7 to 10% because it's a lighter squirrel and it needs to spend more time up in the trees.
3: So what um, impact has this had on squirrel populations in the UK? I mean, I remember my dad saying, oh, you know, red squirrels are fantastic and grey squirrels are rats with tails, but I've never <laughs> seen a red squirrel um, in my life, and, you know, I'm 42. So what sort of impact has all this had on, on populations?
4: 40, 50 years ago, throughout much of England, you could still, or the, the north and the west of England and into Wales, you could still see red squirrels. Yeah. So basically it's just 130 years since the grey squirrel has been introduced in, into England. And in that time, it has pretty much spread from maybe a total of 30, 40 locations where it was introduced. It's pretty much spread across the whole country. Hmm. The only forests where red squirrels do better than grey squirrels are the conifer, conifer forests, particularly large plantations and Kielder forests up here in um, Northumberland. actually sought to home about 75% of England's red squirrels. It's a huge conifer forest, and in these forests, the red squirrels do survive better. They're better able to eat the cones, and it's thought that the grey squirrels actually find eating the, the conifer cones They don't digest the maybes quite so well. They're not quite so well suited to collecting the the seeds off the end of the trees where often the the cones stay on the branches. And because they're that much heavier, they can't actually get to the seeds quite so well when the cones are on the branches. So the grey squirrels do not survive quite so well in these conifer forests. But almost everywhere else in England, apart from a few locations where maybe you've got mixed forest, or people actively protecting their reds, And that's what's happening um, in Sefton, which is just uh, the North Merseyside. The communities there are very active in protecting and looking after their red squirrels. And they actually have a very high population of reds for the small area of forest that is still there. And that is totally due to people wanting the red squirrel and actively controlling the grey squirrel. And also supplementary feeding of the red squirrel within the, 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 the forest reserve. Now,
3: some people are going to say, "What are you on about? You know, it's survival of the fittest. Who cares? You know, t- you know. So what? Tell me what's special about the red squirrel. Have you seen
4: red squirrels? I have. Go on. And I've got to admit, <laughs> greys really are rats with tails. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. I knew it was. <laughs> um, the thing is, the red squirrel is our native squirrel. It's Originated. It's been in England for 10,000 years, at least, yeah. give or take. It might well have been in England before the last Ice Age, and sort of when the Ice Age came down, obviously there were no trees. It probably maybe reduced, retreated back to Europe. When the Ice Age sort of retreated, the Red Squirrel came back across from Europe. It's had sort of ups and downs over its history in the UK. It's almost been depleted in the past due to deforestation, and it's been at pest status in the past when there were high areas of forest around the country. However, now it is is currently, it's very much endangered in England and in Scotland. And we feel that we don't want to be the last generation of English people to say that, well, we didn't do anything. We just let the Red squirrel become extinct in England. We want to try and say that we were the the generation that really did something. We really tried. Mm. Because it is part of our history. It's part of our natural history. It's also part of our cultural history. I mean, I'm sure that almost every child, I don't know, I can't remember when Beatrix Potter wrote her stories about Squirrel Nutkin, but mm. almost every child since she wrote that story has probably heard that story. 1903, I've just been told, is um, <laughs> when it was written. <laughs> Good girl, a bit of accurate information. There you go. It's not the only story which has sort of had red squirrels in them. There are other stories. It's part of sort of local culture and history. And I think it would be really sad to say that Oh sorry, well yes, we used to have red squirrels, like we used to have beavers, like we used to have Mm. wolves, like we used to have all these other animals. And sorry, yes, we just let them go because we didn't do anything about the grey squirrel.
3: Now I can tell you're a squirrel (laughs) expert and enthusiast. Tell me a bit about you and your job and Save
4: Our Squirrels itself. Okay, well Save Our Squirrels is, it's a recently set up project. It's part of an organisation or a steering group called Red Alert North England. This has been set up from two organisations, Red Alert Northwest and Red Alert Northeast, which started in about 19 early 1990s. And basically, the whole sort of idea of the two projects, um, Red Alert Northwest and Red Alert Northeast, was to conserve the red squirrel through very much people working together from different um, different areas, both in the conservation organisations, the statutory bodies, um, landowners, individuals. Scientific researchers, Forestry Commission, people like that, all working together. About two or three years ago, they were very fortunate and put a very good um, bid forward to the um, Heritage Lottery and obtained just over £600,000 from the Heritage Lottery. How much? Just over um, £600,000. Wow, yep. And this is met by match funding from all the organisations within uh, Red Alert North England. And the project that is going to take forward, or is taking forward, the Red Squirrel Action Plan across the north of England is Save Our Squirrels. I uh, so some of the, the key project object- objectives that we have is, one, conserving the red squirrels. We have 16 red squirrel reserves in the north of England, nine in Northumberland, six between Cumbria and North Yorkshire, and then one down in Sefton, North Merseyside. We're also increasing people's ability to learn about red squirrels and actually physically get into the forests. And when they go into the forest to see them, there'll be better interpretation and enabling people to find out more about red squirrels. We will be developing our website, which again will be easier, another way for people to find out about red squirrels. And our third main objective is ensuring the long-term sustainability of red squirrel conservation access and engagement. And we're doing this through setting up local support groups, local SOS, Save Our Squirrels groups around the reserves. And this is very much involving voluntary, voluntary action from local communities, local individuals. One area is active conservation, going out monitoring the red squirrels in the forest so we know what's happening to their numbers. People regularly phone us up saying that they've seen a red squirrel, that they've seen a grey squirrel. We have squirrel recording forms that we can send out to people so that they can send us their records of where they've seen where they've seen reds, where they've seen greys across the north of England. And this is vital for us so that we know where exactly there are still red squirrels, where exactly the greys are moving. We pass this on to scientists at Newcastle University and down in London and also to the UK Red Squirrel Group so that they can help to monitor the location of the greys. And it's from their their research work that we now know that greys actually use river corridors. Um, and other such corridors, some of, some of the old railway lines, also another corridor that grey squirrels are using to move into new areas.
3: But surely um. the crux of the matter here is, I mean, you can monitor all you like, but mm. what you're talking about is controlling the grey squirrel.
4: In and around the reserves, yes, we actively support the control of grey squirrels. Yep. The Save Our Squirrels project ourselves, we do not do any grey squirrel control. We work closely with local landowners, in Northumberland with an organisation called the Red Squirrel Protection Partnership, which you might have read about in the news recently. I'm not too sure if it's further south, but up here it was. It's headed up by Lord Reedsdale, and he's been quite active in the promotion of controlling the grey squirrel. They actively go out and do the grey squirrel control. Some of the local councils here are also actively involved in this as well.
3: Um, Richard, my colleague, is very keen on... um Um, grey squirrel control Um, I don't mean annihilation in any sense of the word but I mean management (laughs) Um, and part of his point is that we should be thinking about eating grey squirrel has that (laughs) come into your thinking at all because grey squirrel happens to be pretty delicious Um, um, (laughs) have you tried some? um, Richard has and he tells me with good authority he's going to get me some Um, but you know I think you know, the idea that this could be an option is worth thought because what people don't like, in my experience, is management of species that then aren't used for anything. Whereas, to actually eat the grey squirrel would justify, to me, managing it
4: in uh, much more.
3: Have you ever thought about that option?
4: We are definitely thinking along that option, and generally speaking, yes, we would totally agree it is much better to utilize the meat and also the fur, potentially, yes. from that animal. Otherwise, you're just you're wasting a your resource. I, I personally have not eaten a squirrel. Um, one of my colleagues here in the Northumberland Wildlife Trust does tell me that they're very, very nice, and particularly barbecued in Cajun spices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Apparently <laughs> but I haven't you can yet had the option. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Um, well, maybe we should get together sometime and have a squirrel. <laughs> have a squirrel barbecue <laughs> yeah <laughs> but people find that quite shocking because you are philippa you're from yes. northumberland wildlife trust wildlife trust
4: and working um, on the save our squirrels project yeah and you're yes.
3: actually talking about managing wildlife and i think sometimes um and this isn't meant as a, a particular stab at you but sometimes mm. wildlife Trust do tend to wash over the fact that in the countryside certain animals need management and I don't mean annihilation. I think sometimes farmers get an awful lot of stick for managing the countryside when actually it has to be about some human intervention to get a balance that is sustainable.
4: What's your slant on that? Generally speaking, yes, where an animal is at pest status and the grey squirrel is classified as a pest. Yeah. It's a pest in forestry, particularly. I oh, know. And it is a pest potentially in, in homes. There was a local case recently where a grey squirrel got into somebody's chimney when they were away for a weekend. They came back and their living room was devastated yeah. to the tune of £10,000. Yeah. They're also known to get into roofs and into lofts and chew wires, a potential fire hazard. They are pests. Yeah. And other animals that are classed as pests Generally speaking, I mean, this, this is probably my own personal viewpoint more than I think the Wildlife Trust. Yeah. I can't speak for the whole of the Wildlife Trusts, um, But with things like grey squirrels, in areas where that they are pest status or in areas where that they are an active threat to the red squirrel, control and management is essential. I'm not yeah. saying that in the south of England, in the middle of London, that grey squirrels should be um, controlled, because that's not practical. Mm. <laughs> not at all practical. <laughs> but in the north of England, where we still have the red squirrel, where we were w- hoping that the red squirrel is going to survive, whereby actively currently controlling the grey squirrel, we can perhaps buy the red squirrel some time yeah. in order for our wonderful scientists perhaps to find some alternative way of a non-lethal method of controlling grey squirrels, mm. perhaps through some sort of immunocontraceptive. I know there has been work going on this, and um, with luck, um, the researchers will be able to find further funding to further develop this work because it is essential. It's vital work. And the other area of research that scientists across the north and I believe also in London are working on is trying to find a vaccine for the squirrelpox virus. Just currently at the moment, just north of Newcastle, a small town called Morpus, Around there, they've got an outbreak of the pox virus, also recently across in Sefton. This virus is so lethal to the red squirrel. Two weeks is all it takes for the red squirrels to die from this virus. Mm. And we don't have a vaccine at the moment. If they're caught and treated in in the first week, they can be treated. It's a horrible disease. It looks like myxomatosis. They develop lesions around the eyes and the nose. And really and truly, there's nothing you can do for them once they've developed that stage. Have Uh, you been successful so far? Save Our Squirrels has been only running as, as a project itself since, well, since July... We think that we're doing we're doing quite well so far we're raising awareness yeah we are trying to get everybody who's interested in w- red squirrels working together so that there is a cohesive, coordinated project, sort of like a band going right the way across the north of England, everybody working together to actively protect the red squirrel and actively control the gray squirrel. Morpus Borough Council has recently sort of said that they are actively going to contribute to this by in some way managing their grey squirrels and we're hoping that some of the other councils across the north of England will take positive action as well. Nobody can work sort of by themselves on this, it's got got to be cohesive action from um, everybody involved and I believe the Lake District National National Park are also going to contribute towards the management of grey squirrels within the Lake District National Park so that they can protect their reds. Fantastic.
3: Well, it's been great to talk to you about it. Can you give the listener um, your website or how to find out more? And, of course, we will put in our catalogue from now on uh, not to feed greys. if you have reds and all the details that you've spoken about.
4: Okay, lovely, yes. You can contact us. The phone number here is 0191 284 6884. And you can speak to myself. I'm Philippa. Or you might most likely to speak to Christine, who is our support officer, and she's always willing to chat to everybody. Our website is www.saveoursquirrels.org.uk. Fantastic.
3: Well, for our U.S. listeners, I know we've spent a lot of time taking things over to the U.S. of A. that you don't want. <laughs> and I'm afraid
4: you've done the same back for us with the grey squirrel. Well, it wasn't actually the Americans that brought the grey squirrel over. It was our Victorian ancestors. Very um, typical. Typical. <laughs> they brought so much over here, didn't they, those Victorians? <laughs> yeah, yucca plants. Oh, hey oh, Yeah. Anyway. And hundred and- and- <laughs>
3: Absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much, Philippa. It's and been thank a
2: pleasure to talk over. to you.
4: Bye-bye.
2: You. Bye. That was brilliant. That was really, really good. So uh, it would be great to do something next year if we could have a kind of squirrel barbecue. That'd yeah. Really if we get a, little, a load of our friends and guests and customers and a whole bunch of people over and we can have a, a, a really good do. But what's it taste like then, Rich? Nice. I think it'd be really... I'm actually, on a barbecue, Phil and I were just talking about rigging something up, you know, a, a kind of multi-squirrel rotisserie. That'd be good. We can cook a bunch up and you know, literally it's something oh that you can Lord. have probably one <laughs> each because they're almost portion size. <laughs>
1: I think we should try it. We should try
0: oh, it. Well, we'll, we'll see. Why don't we um, you know, let people phone, don't in, phone in on the farm phone? and You were going to marinate
1: in. some insider, Rich, weren't you? Well, give it some thought anyway.
0: Maybe we should try it out first. You know, it'd be great to have some
1: feedback. Bit. Anyway, it'd yeah. be really good. So I words, suppose right? what we need is squirrel recipes and we need for Rich to sharpen up his shooting because we shall need some squirrels at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Monty's worm cast coming up. Here he is. Over to the Monty. The Wiggly Wormcast podcast by Monty. A weekly fact on worms. Charles Darwin found that his number of earthworms could bury a football patch in 15 tonnes of soil a year from the cast that leave on the surface. Thank you, Mum. Welcome, Amy, if it's Wednesday. Bye for now.
1: Bye. Bye from me.